a long time ago on a comics page far, far away. Greetings and welcome to May the Panel Be With You, the Star Wars comic book show brought to you by the Punch-Up Entertainment Network. I am your humble host, Mike Gargoni, and joining me, as always, the cybervision to my corporate imperial baron, it's John Campbell. Oh man, we're getting all kinds of stuff in here. Hello everybody. Yes man, finally, cybervision comes to Star Wars. We've all been waiting. John, it's because without you, I couldn't see. Oh, well, now. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yes, folks, if you've been waiting for the Geordi LaForge of Star Wars, do we have it for you here? But, but what if Geordi LaForge was an evil, evil Corpo Baron with a personal yeah. grudge against Darth Vader? Oh, man, I, I will say the stuff, this issue does have some of the stuff I love about this comic, throwing... The need for you know uh, villains unique to the comic in in these is interesting and stuff that you're like, well, this is in no way seeded by the movie and will in no way ever pay off in the movie. So let's see where this goes. But at the same time, it does like do some of that stuff that we both love so much about Star Wars, which is like the Imperial infighting and the the like evil backstabbing. Yeah, no, I do. I I will say that the one of the, the there's there there's a lot of weird stuff in this issue, but they but they do uh, have some of the stuff I love, which is yeah, the the idea of breaking the empire down or breaking the conflict of Star Wars down into more than just there is an empire and a rebellion, but there are weird tangents of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and boy, if you if you love that one mention of the Tag family that from a few issues back, oh man. Just wait till issue 25. Well, and this is where I I talked about it in brief on that episode. Maybe not so brief because this is a Star Wars podcast. But we discussed how like this is sort of an invention of the comics is this whole evil imperial iconoclast family, the tags that is all spawned from uh, one general in the boardroom scene of the Death Star who is named Tag, who we'd much later in the comics, find out that he survived the Death Star. But right. ways, he's not in the movie outside of that scene. I like the idea of the bourgeois Star Wars characters, right? The idea of the people who are literally the tags being the people like, do you know who my father is? <laughs> well, and we're getting a little bit of that in Andor as well with uh, Genevieve oh, yeah. Riley's uh, Mon Mothma as well, being the, this whole yeah. like stratified class aspect of Star Wars that is always, like, hinted at but never directly uh, done in the films all that much. Because, like, as much as Amidala is a queen of a planet and later a senator, we don't really know much about her. We've always talked about the idea. It's crazy to me, the democratically elected queen. (laughs) I, I have... So many questions about how Naboo functions. Democratic monarchy is a long, proud tradition, John. Just because it's usually <laughs> co-opted by iron-fisted dictators at a certain point doesn't mean it okay, can't work. It's never gone wrong. That's the thing. It's the perfect system. Um, a little guy named Napoleon Bonaparte was voted in at gunpoint. <laughs> are we going to get a whole movie about that at some point? Coming oh, up yeah. Yeah, we are. I saw the trailer for it just last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Kind of excited for that. Um, hey, I love, I love me a good historical epic, and yeah. if uh, 
if Ridley Scott wants to take me on that journey uh, in a, what is he saying, like four and a half hour film, then great. Yeah, something like that, yeah, who knows? I mean, we'll see how good they get down to. Uh, uh, but yeah, anyway, let, let, let's start in on uh, this issue, issue because we are covering uh, Star Wars number 25, uh, starting in 1977, oh. but this particular issue was released in July of 1979. Uh, Ever, and we're, we're in that last, we're less than a year out now from Empire, it's coming. It's it's coming, and uh, boy, does this issue look worse in the comparison. Uh, because as we approach Empire, there are certain things that we know are going to happen in Empire yeah. that make events in this issue uh, a little more skeevy, let's call it. Oh, oh. <laughs> I threw up in my mouth reading this last night, so... Um, uh, but... As, as far as our creative team, we've got Archie Goodwin still as writer and editor, Carmine Infantino, yep. and all of his sharp eyebrows on uh, pencils. Sharpest. We've got Gene Day now on inks, uh, Ben Sean on colors, and Joe Rosen on letters with a, uh, a, a certain shooter lurking in the background. Yeah, there's a shooter that's just circling like the shark from Jaws, Bonham. Shooter. <laughs> Shooter, 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 shooter. Okay, speaking of shooter, fun tangent. Uh, I was just recently on vacation. That's why we've had a bit of a gap in our uh, coverage right. recently. Uh, but due to podcast time travel, this episode won't necessarily fall within that gap. But anyway, <laughs> I was in an <laughs> antique store. Yes. Because that's what you do when you're on vacation. I don't know any other way to have a vacation. Yeah. And I yeah. found a shooterific artifact inside Ooh. the antique store and that was three of the original secret wars uh action figures that spawned from that event sure. you, the, you mean the thing that was mostly the reason for the event correct <laughs> <laughs> a comic book that justified an action figure line that's the way to do it that is precisely what it was it was let's see it was captain america black suited spider-man and daredevil in their newer nice. costumes that were created nice. for secret wars very cool. Yeah. If, if, if they weren't like $200 a piece, I would have bought the black oh, suit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially that black suit Spider Man. Um, no, I was going to say, those action figures were better than the comic. The action figure <laughs> line was awesome. The, the comic, not so much. Yeah. Uh, speaking of redesigns, let's get into this cover and talk about oh. some really dumb spacesuits. Uh, oh, my God. These spacesuits that, I mean, oh God. Number one, they're so over designed, man. Well, they're straight out of a... Look, if you're working for AIM, you have certain design yeah. goals in mind, and that is big and yellow. Yes. No, it, it's a very Marvel design. We've talked about this before on the show, that there are these moments in, uh, in, in, in this comic where, like, Star Wars collides with Marvel. Like, left to their own devices, they it will remind you how much of a Marvel comic it is, right? With, like... Right. Oh, look at this. This is a Marvel-y thing. It's not at all a Star Wars thing. And these are very much AIM spacesuits. And, it, you know, uh, it, not not only um, uh, not not only are they weird and boxy and yellow, but there's all the... Like I've said, they over-designed Like, what is all this, like, techno-gadgetry nonsense on it? And why is Leia's form-fitting to her bosom? Oh, yeah, yeah. But Luke's, he's swimming in. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe actually they're designed for large-breasted women and Luke just happens to not be one of those. <laughs> right, right, right. 
Um, yeah. Uh, well, you see that a lot. We've talked about boob armor in comics before. Oh, for sure. That, right? Where it's like... Um, but yeah, oh man. Um, but yeah, and just the throw, throw the, these on the heap yeah. with the pleated boots of space pirates and yeah. the, uh, the, uh, Hydra goon armor that was being worn by the wheel security officers. Yeah. And it's so like, weird. And the helmets yeah. are, yeah, they have a hat. The helmets feel very like hazmat and, ugh. they feel oh, like oh. the kind of helmets you see on a He-Man action figure where the face has to turn and be a different face. Absolutely. Um, uh, and I had some of those, so I know, I know <laughs> that, um, but, was it, uh, was it Triclops who did that? Yes. Yeah. Or many yeah. faces. There were a couple of them. Well, there, there were a few that they liked that effect. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, all, also, uh, I just want to tell you about one small thing. Uh, Luke is holding a blaster in his right hand, but if you look the, on his, uh, his pistol holsters on his left side. But not facing for a cross draw, huh? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess maybe he had two, but that, yeah. that looks like an empty holster. Right. Hmm. Well, anyway, as the <laughs> <laughs> and as... I broke the comic. John broke the comic. <laughs> yeah, this is what tipped it over the edge. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Other than this, it was airtight. Uh so as the cover proclaims, Luke and Leia trapped by an Imperial barricade. Siege at Yavin. Yeah, man. Uh, get ready to wait like the whole issue for that setup. <laughs> well, we got to spend the whole issue setting up a whole mess of stuff in order for us to even get to the siege at Yavin. Boy, Actually, that's this not is... entirely true because we kind of start in Meteor Race in well, the siege. Let's open up the comic because it is siege at Yavin. I love that little app that they just threw in there. It's like how you run out of space when you're writing happy birthday on a banner. Oh, man, we made Siege really big and Yavin really big. Uh, but where did, well, can we just kind of put the ad in there? Yeah, but we're going to have to tilt it a little bit, too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, as we begin, I don't know where we are because no one's saying this is a jungle moon. Mm -hmm. By the way, okay, I had to confirm this, right? It, siege is misspelled, isn't it? Uh, is it supposed to be S-I-E-G-E? -E? You, yeah, absolutely. Whoopsie doodle. <laughs> I had to confirm this because my spelling is not amazing, but thanks to a, a, a quick Googling, that's wrong. <laughs> You're very much correct. Wow, is it spelled? No, it's spelled correctly on the cover, so it's just yes. on this interior that's spelled incorrectly. I didn't no even notice that. that. How do you not catch that? <laughs> Anyway, the sage at, Le at Yavin has begun. Ah, um, the sage of Yavin. Oh, the sage of... But I gotta say, man, oh no, our favorite guy bites it right here. The guy up on that tower right away. Just after they reinforced his standing pole, because it looks way thicker than it normally does in this arc. It looks way thicker. And he, I don't even know how he fell out of this thing, because he's added the, the protective hoop that was supposed to hold him. And also... What are these outfits? Let's. I mean, we're. I, I'm going to be talking about outfits for this whole issue because no one looks like they're in a Star Wars here. This, this is John Campbell's fashionista era. It is. <laughs> John Campbell's fashion police is all about space outfits. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, um, this guy. A. I think he has the wrong number of fingers on his hands. B. He's dressed like some kind of weird alien. And C. He clearly like levitated himself out of the standing platform yeah. before it was shot. 
He's like, oh, they're coming. <laughs> and here come the TIE fighters flying in perfect formation right behind each other. Good for or them. is that meant to be one TIE fighter? No, I think that's a series of TIE fighters. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's not a great strategy for attack is what I'll say. Um, well, look, just because the guys at the back will be shooting everyone in front of them as they're swooping in doesn't mean it's a bad strategy. <laughs> You'd want to go horizontal, not vertical behind each other. But, you know, hey, man. we to question imperial military yeah. doctrine? But let's talk about why they're attacking this G.I. Joe base. Um, <laughs> if we go to the next page here, what are these outfits? We know what X-Wing pilots look like. We th This is Yavin 4, is it not? Our, this is the, our rebel base from New Hope. Who was well, wearing any of this stuff? As we see on the first page, it says, Dawn on the fourth moon. The fighters yeah. shriek down into still surface mists hanging above the jungle. Oh, it is a jungle. Okay, we're on Yavin. The lead ship's energy cannons pound. I can use more description of the planet. Um, yeah. And the rebel lookout gives his last warning as, yeah, we see these people who, like, have we seen anybody in the first Star Wars film that is dressed like a G.I. Joe background character? Nope. <laughs> the, I mean, the, the the color, the design, ever who was running around in white like this, and especially in these crazy get-ups. <sighs> Part of what made the Star Wars films stand out so much is because the like space rebel freedom fighters were kind of dressed in ragtag, like khakis, and like obviously all of that was very much uh inspired by World War II in terms of, like, the look and aesthetic of the Empire right. and the look and aesthetic of the Rebels is definitely, like, France v. Germany, right? Well, and that was so much of the what worked about it and so much of Lucas's vision was as, as crazy and fantastical as it was, all that kind of aesthetic grounds it, right? It gives yeah. it... You can feel a tactile nature to the military stuff in it. And then here... Yeah, we're in we're in goofball territory. You know, these are micronaut leftover costumes. <laughs> yeah, I keep expecting Rom the Space Knight to show up and be like, "This way, that, we must that, face the dire wraiths." That's what I mean about the marvely nature of it, right? Like this is very Marvel sci-fi, and that is stuff like Rom or micronauts or a lot of the toy tie-in comics they were doing at the time. Yeah. Uh, so I will say, I actually really like the narration here. I think it is a good, uh, like, tone setter for a different story than the one we actually get. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a real disconnect here between what's being written and what's being shown. There's no question about that uh, in terms of the vibe of it. Because we get this narration... At the Alliance stronghold in the Masasi ruins, alarm sound, pilots scramble, gun crews charge to their emplacements, and for the third day, and the, for the third time in as many days. And then we get this, I just love this narration in the middle panel here. Then, as the great red gas giant that is the planet Yavin silently watches, hell explodes in the skies of its fourth moon. Yeah, man, that's all great. I mean... I do think, uh, in general, Goodwin has been a better writer for this book. And here is really, yeah, trying to give it this sense of we are at war. There is chaos and destruction abound. But then it is the goofiest shit on the page. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like it finally ends as it has before with the enemy in swift retreat. But at a price. Always at a terrible price. 
So yeah, and clearly with the overdrawn once again. Uh, Infantino's got to cool it on the line work. That is so over-designed, that X-Wing. Look at all that. Now, is that Infantino, or is that the anchor? Mm. Good point. It, it could be the two of them. Now, to be fair, they are co-credited as artists, so Gene Day. So somewhere between the two of them, there's there's so much line work on these things. Well, and we better strap in, because Gene Day is going to be with us for quite some time on this book. Just letting you know that right now. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's turn the page here and see, goddamn, a way more badass Dodonna than I remember from the movie. This is Dodonna the White. He has Absolutely. died and come back at the turn of the tide. <laughs> this is an upgrade, man. Look at him going, oh, yeah. I yeah. got myself a robe. He, he looks like he's about to deliver a sermon on the mount. <laughs> it really does. He, no, he's absolutely got that vibe to him. Look at him here. He just came he, down from the mount with some commandments. Yeah. <laughs> well, look at... Yeah, he is. My people here, please. Um, by the way, I, I we don't know who any of these re rebel pilots we're talking to are because all of our characters have left. Uh, and they also all, all appear to be uh, terrible. Yeah, because they're all shouting at each other, like, where are these TIE fighters coming from? Maybe you scanner jockeys need to figure out what's going on. Well, maybe you pilots need to do a better recon. Yeah, this whole scene makes me go like, wait, does the rebellion only work because of, like, the four people we know? And once they leave, it all goes to hell? Yes. Like, with, without, Han, <laughs> without Han, Luke, and Leia, they're hopeless. Well, look, we know at this point in the series that basically every main character who has been a rebel up to this point is either dead or lost in a distant galaxy. So if it's not for our four main characters, there's nobody leading the charge. Hey man, Wedge can't hold this thing together on his own is all I'm Wedge saying. is an excellent wingman and a good guy at your back, but leadership, wow. he ain't. No, 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 no. He He's a maverick, you know? <laughs> you don't put maverick in charge of the Air Force. Um, <laughs> well, it worked in that one movie. <laughs> Maverick? Yeah. <laughs> That's the one. Um so yeah, the, basically they're going like we cuz the whole the whole impetus of this and and is often even the case uh still obviously in, uh, in the comics set in this time is we need to get off Yavin cuz everybody knows where we are so this is not really helping us. Right. And this is something that's also been recovered in the uh the Marvel Star Wars comics that came out uh more recently. It makes sense because basically it, it, we're going from the Yavin base to, to Echo base on Hoth, right? Yeah, eventually. Then, yeah, I mean that that's that we know we know that's where that ends up, but here it's everybody right. is looking around for it. <laughs> so what are Luke and Leia doing? Well, they're meeting a, a sleazy used spaceship salesman. <laughs> With one of my favorite Star Wars names I've read in quite some time. German Thood. German Thode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I just managed to like, well, you citizens have made a real sweet trade. Take the word of German Thode. I love that he keeps calling himself by, come on down to Honest Thode's used space lock. <laughs> yeah, we get a look at this guy. He is... Like you, he might as well be a eunuch from Game of Thrones. Like a hundred percent, a hundred percent. He needs to hear from his little birds throughout the city. Like this guy is clearly trustworthy. That act, that's a, a, that actor who plays the the main one on this is absolutely why I imagine this character being. Right? 
Uh, um, but no, Jarman Throde is full of grease and a flouncy cape as he is confirming that he is... Star Wars, he's got a cape, yes. Yeah, well, look, um, we love a cape in Star Wars. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's talking through him. And boy, just to... to Boy, uh, the sharp eyebrows have hit Luke Skywalker. It, it's apparently spreading from character to character. Yeah, he's got a bad case of Leia face in that it's top left panel bad. there. <laughs> yeah, maybe he needs to stop making out with his sister. We'll get there. Oh, boy. Uh, uh, but yeah, we confirm that... Uh, so remember when Han, Luke, Leia, and the rest all broke out of the wheel a couple issues ago? Well, that happened. Yeah. And Wait, you don't? That's okay. <laughs> but they did so in separate vectors, because Han and Chewie were on the Falcon, and yeah. Luke, Leia, and the droids were on a stolen yacht uh, that was stolen out from under the nose of Senator Grayshade, lest we forget. Yeah. Oh, who could forget Senator Grayshade? Come on, man. Uh, this book does, right now. Um, because we <laughs> sell his ship and buy a new one. Yeah, we are we are done with the wheel storyline, and we do not want to talk about it. Um, this read to me like Infantino didn't want to keep drawing the same ship for multiple issues. <laughs> yeah, Archie, could they trade in for a different ship? Yeah, sure, why not? I mean, it, I I I just I would love once again to talk to anyone who worked on this book and just get any sense that there was. Anything other than just, do you have a Star Just give us a Star Wars book this month. Like I, I mean, I'm not saying they took no effort, but I can't imagine this was anyone's biggest priority. It really does feel like it's, it's, it's an afterthought where everybody's writing something else. Well, and especially as we're approaching the release of Empire Strikes Back, I yeah. don't know how hamstrung they were by Lucasfilm at this point. Because Lucasfilm right. kind of famously, like, went a little nuts selling the uh like rights to the um merchandise for Star Wars. Sure. That's how Lucas like has more money than God is by selling all of the rights to Star Wars to oh, anyone yeah, yeah. who could afford it. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, um, but at this point, they now know that they are like the most profitable movie in history. So they're starting to reel some of that stuff back in. That's why you have stuff like Lucas totally like washing his hands of the Star Wars Christmas special and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then that, that's the thing. Uh, but, you know, um, and, and I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I, I was looking here because kind of everybody at Marvel kind of did say this was an afterthought for Archie Goodwin is what I'm seeing sure. here. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. You know, because and they talk about like, well, that was really like Roy Thomas was the one who really like championed bringing this book in, and then it's like, you know, Archie Goodwin's like, I guess I'll steer that. Um, but no, I think I think that's that's the thing here is yeah, much less control over uh, things. Of course, obviously, eventually Lucasfilm becomes this empire itself, right? With this, right. you know, they have their own gaming company they have their own publishing company they have their own and then it becomes a much tighter lock and now of course now it's all under disney um but yeah no there is definitely a like uh, we just need to get star wars out we're still in a time period where star wars hasn't cohered as this uh uh giant universe as much as it's just a multimedia thing and everybody's just getting a piece of it mm -hmm. so no there's no question that i I mean, as we talked about, I, I have no idea if, if George Lucas even saw any of this. He certainly no. had no say in this comic, but I would be surprised if he was even reading what they were putting out. I'm guessing Lucasfilm passed along some basic tenets of like, yeah. okay, you can't do this, this, or this. Right. 
Right. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure there were like. Well, because we've talked. To, I mean, the fact they dropped the they dropped the name Sith in here, which I still think is fascinating. Where there's stuff that's not in the movies that's clearly in like, uh, you know, packets and stuff like that, like informational mm-hmm. stuff that they have. Um, I'm fascinated by that kind of stuff. So I think there were probably some basic roadmaps and probably some like, don't do this because we're going to do that in the next movie or something like that. That's, you know, obviously like we, we know they've been real hesitant to use Vader period. Sure. Um, And I think a lot of that is just like, so that's why we get characters like we're about to get where it's like, well, we need new villains then because our like a villain kind of can't be advanced too much. Right. So, remember the House of Tag? Yeah, they're back. And that's one of their ships flying at the bottom of this page. And <laughs> Jorman oh, no. Thode is like, oh yeah, the House of Tag. They're great. I wouldn't follow them, though. They're going to a place that kind of sucks because of <laughs> spice mining. And, oh, I think there's some one thing there called the Yavin system. Sure. Jorman Thode is perfectly trustworthy. Uh, he, and he does call himself uh, Jorman Thode in the first per- or in the third person a few times, which I find very funny. Um, and and yeah, it's just like, well, thanks for the info dump. Bye. <laughs> uh, top left corner panel here on this next page, we have a thing that like continually bothers me in these older comics, which is a coloring error in which he's drawn to have gloves, and yet the inker saw fit to add fingernails to his yep. hand. Yep, we see that all the time. Yeah. And it's just there yeah, that's the kind of stuff in a lot of older comics where we just when we talk about a lack of attention to detail, it's stuff like that where it's just like nobody's going back and going, Oh wait, no, no, there's no second pass. It's just inker to colorist to whatever you know, just bump bump bump. It just goes down the line and you don't get the sense that anyone is checking it again before it goes and is published. That that's how we get Sieg of Yavin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's unforgivable. That's really bad. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so we take off and then folks get ready for one of my pet peeves. So much dialogue placed on just shots of a ship in space. Yeah. So so guilty of it. It's a lot of that. Mostly because Luke and Leia are really trying to recap everything up to this point in these next couple of pages. On Star Wars. Yeah. So they're talking about how they got away from the wheel, how Han split off, how Luke thinks about Han as some kind of big brother, as long as he's not pulling my leg. Oh, God, that stuff. That that was the worst in this, because I love stuff like that. Uh, and by love, I mean, I hate it um, <laughs> where it's just like, let me just state what our relationship is. He's mm. almost like a big brother to me. It's like, well, yeah, of course, but who would ever say that? <laughs> Not a human talking like people do. I just, I... <laughs> ever since my surrogate father, if you will, you know, that kind of stuff. Where you're like, why? Yeah. I mean, it drives me insane. Dialogue, especially uh, the one I was... Uh, stuff in movies all the time where people go like, as your brother. Who's ever said that? Ever. Oh, I just don't know why people feel. I like know that. you see me like a father, but yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> that stuff kind of goes unspoken. Most people are pretty clear about their relationship, anyway. Uh, yeah, that there's a lot of that in here, um, and just just some real sourpuss face acting on both of these two. I mean, look, okay, they must be siblings, Gurgoni, because take a look at this shot of them. Luke and Leia have the same face. Oh, in this middle right panel, yeah. The yeah, exact 100%. same face. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no difference. Yeah, it's just so. There. 
And they're both doing this like, hmm. Well, and on the next page, on the top left panel, Leia suddenly has Luke's face. <laughs> this, like I said, all of this screams as it's just going like, yeah, 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 let's just get this out. Okay, there, now it's done. Yeah, okay, there we go. We got to publish it. All right, here we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but that what happens is they're going to be following this House of Tag merchant vessel that is heading towards Yavin. And mm-hmm. they're kind of like drafting behind it, hoping to get through the Imperial blockade in that region of space by right. following the ship that is heavily aligned with the Empire. Because the House of right. Tag is like a merchant company, royal house type thing that has a yeah. bunch of it, corporate business ventures that is very closely tied to the Empire because of that one guy from that one scene in A New Hope. Oh, I love seizing upon a thing like that and making <laughs> the, the whole center of a story. Uh, but I, I, it's actually a thing where it's like you're on the right track, comic book. Like, I like the idea of going, okay, we probably can't advance the war with the Empire too much because of the movies. So getting into this weird side villain, you know, that is the House of Tag could have been, I think a better writer would have made that like the crux of this going like, okay, here's the side story. We're going to battle something connected to the Empire, but isn't the Empire itself and leave that to the movies. One of the more recent uh, runs of Dr. Afra has the House of Tag being the central antagonists yeah. of the whole book series. And I think they make for a very compelling, like, evil royal family dynamic. Like, and that's an old, old, old trope going back to like, oh, you know the Borgias? Yeah, they sucked. Well, that's it exactly. But that's the thing that's interesting about this comic and, and, and really does indicate what we've been saying the whole time is just nobody's paying attention. It's like, you guys actually are on to something interesting here, but y- you don't seem to realize it. Like, yeah. they don't realize how interesting an idea they've created. <laughs> Monkeys and typewriters. I know, it's exactly that. Where, and it's so interesting, of course, that, yeah, the Dr. Afro comic now is going, let's really dig into that, and it is really good stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, so, they Leia basically about- lays out that, like, look, there's clearly no spice out here. This is all an Imperial ploy. We're yeah. going to sneak in here and break the blockade. She uh, gotta- proposes this theory on this next page that like, but what if the Empire is actually trying to cover up everything because they're afraid? And so she's putting down this thing that actually later Star Wars media has really seized upon. And that is that in the aftermath of the first Death Star's uh, destruction, the galaxy kind of stood up and was like, oh, the Empire got a bloody nose Right. Maybe there's something to this rebellion. And that's really, that's a cool idea, once again. Uh, but here, it's just sort of jammed in here. And also, boy, there's a, so much of this issue is just the two of them talking theories in the cockpit of the ship. And that's just not very interesting. There's so much just these two going, what well, could be this? Now, that's interesting that you would say that because I think you're just like, oh, thrill at the space adventure of two people wondering what the machinations of other people could be. Well, look, and there's a place for that in Star Wars. One of the more recent Star Wars books that I really, really enjoyed was Claudia Gray's Bloodline. Uh, sure. That was all about like Leia in the post-Return of the Jedi world having to deal with the fact that Vader being her father becomes public. And it's a very like political book. It's all, all about like Leia, like swimming through the politics of the new Republic. But that is a prose novel where you can say, like have that, heady conversations be the bulk of your That's book. key. Uh, when you've got, you know, 
what is this 20 pages roughly including yeah. covers like this is a lot of time to just be i just the thing that reading this last night i just kept going like man this is all set up for future stuff like there's so little happens in this issue specifically and yeah. i just always putting myself in like if i'm picking this up from the newsstand at the time well i want my 25 like that was worth my quarter there's barely <laughs> any story in here uh, but it is like Leia talking about something that the movie doesn't really address, and it's something that I'm sure a lot of fans were thinking about. And we all the, the, we the, don't quite have the flood of expanded universe stories happening it, right now. It's true, and I think the content is fine. It's more in presentation, like three yeah. pages of two people just talking in the cockpit of a ship. But let's get to where this thing gets crazy because it's time to meet our friend Tag. Uh, do we? What, what's this guy specifically? His name Tag. Uh, Baron Tag is what we know him as right now. Baron Tag and his pal Shanks. Yeah. So we cut to a guy with the wildest looking pair of glasses I think I've ever seen. <laughs> well, it's another thing once again where you go like, okay, he's got cyber vision, right? Is that was it? The cyber vision, cyber eyes. He calls it Cybervision later, yeah. Cybervision, okay. That's fine. That idea of a Star Wars character who is blind but has tech that allows him to see. That's fine. Then it is the goofiest 70s Marvel comic looking glasses. Oh, so, once again. For, for oh. those not joining us on YouTube that can actually see this here as we're yeah. talking about it. It is a pair of rectangular spectacles that cover from like above the eyebrow down to about like where his nose and cheek like that plane there yeah yeah and they sure are these a, big we'll make sure this is on our instagram too we'll yeah make sure handle this guy these um, big spiky things coming out to either side of the glasses but then the glasses themselves kind of come down to a pair of lenses in the center of those rectangles that like kind of protrude yeah, like come a, out. There's there's a little bit of a binocular kind of vibe to it as well. Yeah. It's a lot going on. The spiky parts of it are really what gets me. Why does it have spiky points? And what, what is that doing? What really doesn't help is that he has a Mister Sinister esque, yes, uh, widow's peak and soul patch that yep. really like both are pointing towards the center of his face where these glasses are. It's. So weird, and just it, everything. There's just too much going on with this guy. Yeah, like oh, does so much like more. now that I've said Mister Sinister, I can't not see that, especially oh, in this Mister Sinister. This first panel where it's all kind of like yeah. black and white because the colors are being fucked with. Because we come in as he is having a lightsaber duel. Yeah, but he is neither Jedi nor Sith, as he makes that very clear, and he thinks lightsabers are kind of lame. And the only reason he's practicing with this one against his main man, Shanks, is because the reason he wears these goofy-ass glasses, these the, his cyber vision, yeah. is because he was blinded by Darth Vader's own lightsaber. Yeah, which that's kind of cool, actually. Uh, so at I mean, some I, point, this guy pissed off Vader enough yeah. that Vader, like, slashed at his face and blinded him, <laughs> but didn't piss off Vader so much that Vader just oh. outright killed him. No, 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 no. I mean, are we supposed to think it's once again, especially once again, if we're only taking Vader from New Hope, then I guess the idea being probably that he like wanted to kill this guy and they're like, don't do it. So he's just like, I'm just gonna, well, here's what I can do. Fuck you, you can't see now. 
I the it's, only it, offense I could think of that was like right at that median level was that at some point Baron Tag here scuffed Vader's Jordans. That's the only thing I can think of. Fuck. These were mint, man. I know <laughs> they were for display purposes only. <laughs> we yeah, that's that's not often dealt with what a sneakerhead um Vader is. Yeah, look, you got so many rooms in that castle on Mustafar where it's all temperature controlled. Where do you think he keeps all that stuff? It's all there. He's sending stormtroopers to go wait in line for the new, you know, you got to get down (laughs) to the Dita's store. Yes, Lord. I I will be there in a timely fashion. You will hold my place in line. (laughs) No, hey, no cutsies. But yes, the, uh, oh, oh, here's another one (laughs) Uh, Darth Vader, whose own lightsaber left me like this. The eldest brother of the tagline. I need to state about myself. Yeah, so we, so this guy, Baron Tag, is the eldest brother of the Tag family. Mm-hmm. He is blind, except for his cyber vision, and he is mastering the arts of lightsaber dueling only to spite Vader. Yeah, talks about he has whole lines about like it's actually a stupid way so i pra- yeah if we go to the next page so i yeah. practice constantly with this silly outmoded weapon of a foolish extinct band of men and someday shanks i'll be ready ready to repay vader in kind and with interest <laughs> oh, 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 oh. i like how his lightsaber in that page doesn't extend past two fingers it's a very no. like snub-nosed lightsaber I'm going to get you, Vader. I mean, and of course, as we know about, like, where did this guy get a lightsaber? But, you know, that's more our knowledge of lightsabers now. But, like, this guy's... Ah, just... Look, there's a bunch of je- dead Jedi. If you're rich enough, you can get a lightsaber. People are selling lightsabers. It's actually yeah. something I like from the... Uh, uh, and I, I promise I won't bring this up anymore. But from the Trevaro unused draft uh, of uh, Duel of the Fates for Episode Nine, mm. that uh, uh, General Hux like collects Jedi artifacts and he has a lightsaber. I like that idea. Well, uh, we get that a little bit in, later in the Marvel comics. I think there's a, a bit where Luke is going hunting about Jedi like records and he comes across a black market. I, yeah. Is that Gracchus the Hut he finds who has all those like Jedi artifacts in a vault, the ripped hut that he has to fight in that one issue. Yeah. I think that's who. Yeah. I love the, the one, jacked hut. <laughs> the one hut who decided to care about his health. Um, <laughs> Speaking of jacked, check out uh, Baron Tag. Yeah, wow, wow. Yeah, look, he, like any good rich asshole, he is not going to be dressing himself. So Shanks is helping him put on a robe as but he's you know, told they're being followed. You know it's the late seventies because look at her, how her suit this jacked body is. Oh yeah, no, that's this is, some, a, this is a Burt Reynolds body, man. I was gonna say, yeah, this is Burt Reynolds. This is Chuck Norris. The, you need a carpet on that, that like, chest. Yeah, yeah, this was a th- this was a time when it's like that. No, a man's got hair on his chest. You better believe me. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Tag is informed that they're being followed. Uh, he is like, "Well, that would is highly daring, if not entirely stupid and risky." They're tr- clearly trying to get through the blockade. This uh, Baron Tag showing some incredible foresight here, as he is like, "Well, fuck these people. Let's lay some mines." And lay the mines, they do. Here come the mines. I love a good space mine. Space mines are one of my favorite kinds of mines. (laughs) I'd have to say on the list of mines, yeah, I like a space mine. I like a sea mine as well. Those are very fun. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, (laughs) 
And here, yeah, here we go. They're getting the mines that are, they're magnetic, right? Isn't that what they say? Yeah. And like, I think that's been used a few times in sci-fi over the years of just like, oh yeah, magnetic mine. It just like adheres to the hull as you're driving past and blows you up. Cool. Great. Well, it's bad news for Luke and Leia as they fly through here. They're magnetically charged, Luke. They'll be drawn to our whole plating. There we go. Yeah. uh, Luke and Leia have switched faces again in that middle panel. Um, they are just it's ever swapping a faces until they mash their faces together later. Yep. Cool. Um, <laughs> uh, so so what, they're flying through. Yeah, yeah. Now Luke has taken manual control of the ship mm-hmm. uh, because uh, they're trying to shoot their way through, fire. but it's not really working. R two is literally putting out fires in the engine room. I need to talk about up. Leia on the the middle left panel though. Yeah. Gotcha. She's got the classic hair buns. Oh, yeah. What and then the fuck the, is going the, on with the stuff on her hair buns? Okay. She appears to have hair buns over her ears and then has put headphones on the hair buns. So she's out like... Okay. So she wouldn't... Right? Because you can see where the, the, the comes down. They're, they're wearing the headsets. Yeah, okay. So they're wearing the headsets so they can talk to each other while she's in the rear guns and he's in the, the four guns. Right, 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 right. But she has placed the headphones in such a way that they are perfectly, like, smooshed in the center of her hair buns. Correct. Okay, okay. That's. I thought she had suddenly become a cyborg for no reason. Oh, that would have been great. She and Lobot were hanging out. And, um... <laughs> but, okay, I guess what you're saying makes sense. Well, I mean, it, it it makes a modicum of sense. I don't know why anyone would do that. Because you have your hair a certain way. You just place the... If they're the big, like, canned headphones, you just put them yeah. over your hair. That I, I've seen people do that. I think that's what... Well, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, we, I don't see a lot of people running around with uh, extreme enough hair buns that this is uh, happening a lot. That's but, true. Um, I, I'm just curious how well she can actually hear what Luke is saying. Oh, I think that, I think that's a big problem. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure that this ship is going to have a great sound system to begin with. You, d- you don't think Jorman Thode uh, hooked this thing up with some dope hey, ass man. subs? <laughs> this has got 5.1 surround sound. <laughs> you roll up in one of Jorman Thode's ships, that shit be bumping. Yeah, that's right. Hear that subwoofer I put in? <laughs> Jorman Thode. Pump the jams, pump them up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, German Thode. Look, German Thode will hook you up with the aftermarket mods. That's all I'm saying. Look, I'm just saying I can cut you a deal, all right? I know a guy. My cousin is actually <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jimmy Thode really yeah. knows his way around Jimmy the speaker Thode. system. Something fell off the back of a starship, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Let's call them gently used. <laughs> Uh, all right. All right. So, uh, yeah, Luke gives himself over to the force. The, yeah, I guess. Yeah, here we go. But the boy from Tatooine no longer hears. His mind is divorced from conscious thought. He is one with the machine. He controls, acting by what he senses and what he feels. The tiny ship dances in response, twisting, altering directions with eye blink swiftness. I guess that's using the force. 
Yeah, I mean, that kind of describes also the way they talked about uh, Anakin uh, driving pods in episode yeah. one. So that yeah, they, to they, me. Like becoming one with the, you know, extending yeah. your mind to be part of the machine. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wish Speaking it was Speaking of exciting. becoming one. <laughs> bottom of this page, yeah. Look. Yeah, I see it. I mean, it is a full-on... We've had some pecs. We've had some things. This is a full-on open mouth. They are in the 80s parlance, Gurgani, sucking face. They smooching good. I don't know how else to say it. Yep, yep, yeah, it's not and great. Look, we, again, we have to put the context on this of they had no idea, and neither did George Lucas, that Luke and Leia were brother and sister at this point. I will never, you hear, you hear me, never will I believe that George Lucas had any of this figured out, because there's tons and tons and tons of evidence that he didn't. Right. Um, so, and yeah, no, exactly. But still, it, I, I'm not, I, it's not a shot against them. It's just, boy, I just, the instinctive reaction is, oh. Yeah. The oh. context we have now in hindsight, this and last even, panel here is, we talk about even, Repio seems to know something because he's trying to break it up. Check that out. <laughs> no, R2, please. R2 100% knows what's up. Mm-hmm. And he isn't saying shit. Wow, yeah, but yeah. R2 is also busy trying to save the ship that is still burning. Yeah, yeah. but uh oh, here we go. Uh, while they were making out and committing incest, um, <laughs> the ship is now being dri- is drifting towards Gavin's gravita- or Yavin's gravitational field. Now, this is a question I have you about. Okay, so we, we're familiar, of course, with the rebel base on Yavin Four, the fourth moon of Yavin. Correct. This comic gets a lot more into the gaseous giant planet that is yavin how much do we know about yavin itself because i gotta say this is the first time i've ever really thought about yavin as opposed to the moons of yavin yeah and look there's some disambiguation that needs to happen because we start talking star wars planets and like Endor, technically a moon of also a gas giant um right yavin there's some (laughs) conflation that is done between the the moon yavin 4 and yavin the like planetary system that we find ourselves in because i was gonna say it's interesting that a lot of those star wars planets are moons of other places right like so if you will grant me for a moment just straight up reading from wikipedia here of course yavin prime also known simply as yavin was an orange gas giant nearly 200,000 kilometers in diameter, located in the Outer Rim Territories. Its cloud provided cover in battle, but death awaited any pilot who dove too far. It was orbited by 26 moons, three of which could sustain humanoid life, including Yavin 4, Yavin 8, and Yavin 13. (laughs) Who could forget the Battle of Yavin 13? So, the primary hyperlane used to reach Yavin was the... Hydean Way. I don't know if you're familiar with the Hydean Way, John. Uh, only in that it's a thing. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's one of the big hyperspace it, lanes. I've heard it mentioned, yes, of course. I mean, I can kind of figure out through context what it is. Sure. Um, but yeah, that is what we know about Yavin. There's more to it. Uh, if you want, go to Wikipedia and look. You start getting into the non-canon section oh, of what oh. is up with Yavin and we'll be here all day. I was going <laughs> to I was going to say, I mean, you get into anything, you can go down a huge rabbit hole in Wikipedia. Are you kidding me? Good Lord. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been, I've been I've been there with Memory Alpha, too, the the Star Trek one. Jesus. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Oh boy, yeah. You look up one thing, you're like, what was the deal with that? And the next thing you know, four hours have passed. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah. So, yeah so so we find out that Yavin, this gas giant, is where the House of Tag ship is headed, and that's weird yeah. because it is a gas giant that you shouldn't be able to land on it. But And they can't signal for help because this is, as they talk about, this planet is like one huge natural jamming device. Which makes sense for the Rebel base to be located near this planet so that they could cover their tracks, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and, and they're like, hmm, what is what are these tag guys up to, though? Right. So on this next page, we have them getting into their goofy-ass spacesuits. And rather than mm. following casually at a distance in their spaceship... Let me talk about them just as Leia's getting her spacesuit, and she's talking about I'm going outside just and smiling. The single worst drawing I've ever seen of Luke Skywalker. Oh, with him popping Isn't around the corner way? like a fucking gremlin, going not without me. Yeah, <laughs> it's me, Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker suddenly becomes Leprechaun from the Leprechaun movies. It really has that. I'm like, dude, that's the. <clears throat> if I'm writing this book, I get that page, and I'm going, that's that's a start again. We're scrapping the whole. <laughs> And you're starting from scratch on that one, because are you kidding me? Do it um, over. In that's Tokino. the hero of our franchise, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I am a Jedi! <clears throat> All right, so yes, they go out in their goofy-ass spacesuit. Sorry, I just had to bring that up, because that's... Yeah, yeah, no, it's fair. It's a bad drawing <laughs> of Luke. Yeah. They leap out of their spaceship and land on the moon below them. And then... Oh. They traverse the entire surface of the moon in a matter of minutes. Yep. Also, wouldn't it be... I know Luke wants to be a little scamp, but uh, wouldn't it be the smarter play to have one of them operating the controls of the ship? 3PO's back there. It's fine. Yeah, three. the great pilot that is C-3PO. <laughs> fine. R2-D2's back there. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, actually, I do give it to the instrument. Um and then you want to talk about some outfits. Ooh, what Tag and Shanks are wearing here. Yeah. Uh, they are going full Doctor Doom here for some reason. Full Doctor Doom. They've just obviously been at the gym because they have their weightlifting belts on still. <laughs> and uh, Tag, though, is a little bit fancier because he's got a red cape and he's got the... Look at those flared out boots. Ooh. <sighs> flared out space boots are... One of the dumbest and one of my most favorite things in comic books. Yeah. Like, they serve no purpose other than pure aesthetic, and I am here for it. Yes. No, it, it is all about... I mean, and it is so specifically this era that I think yeah. of with kind of boots, right? Where it's just like everything... I mean, it's, it's the same thing with the spikes on the glasses. That's what I love about 70s comics, right? Where it's everything is just like, mm, we need a, just a little bit more to every design. There's just... Go read any issue of the X-Men featuring the Space Jammers from this era. Oh, oh. The, the, oh God. They're my favorites. They're, they're, <laughs> they are, it is the most, and what I love is because that's where the, the, you know, the vision of them started. If you still see them in comics, mm-hmm. they still carry a lot of that disco aesthetic. Like, I love where stuff is just, it carries the, the era it was created in because that's now what the design is. Cyclops' dad will never not be a 70s porn stash wearing oh, space pirate. Corsair! <laughs> and his weird <laughs> skunk woman girlfriend. <laughs> what's, what's her name? Hepsiba? Something like that? 
I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. But oh God, I love it so much. I just and we've talked about Star Wars has some of that too, where it's like you will never escape that was created in the late seventies. It's always just gonna carry some of that forward, no matter what, because that's just where it was born. And I think that's great. Um so yeah, uh, anyway. We get a little bit of dialogue here between Shanks and Tag Tag saying, like, look, Vader, he's super concerned with finding the person who blew up to the Death Star and Tarkin's folly. Me, I got the big picture going on here. We're going to take down the Rebellion, and I'm going to succeed where they have failed. Which is uh, bold. I understand you're a rich guy with a lot of resources, but it feels like you're probably less equipped than the Empire. <laughs> yeah, but he's doing it smart, John. As opposed yeah. to these other guys that were just big and flailing and brutal. I'm working smarter, not harder, folks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, because, yeah he's here- got the cyber vision to see this through. That's right, because when we go to the next page here, he's got his own fleet of uh, TIE fighters and some stormtroopers running around. Look at them, Shanks. Replacements yeah. for any ships the rebels may have struck down. Let the Sith Lord follow his force, scrambling about the galaxy, seeking those who shamed him in the Death Star battle. We're beating the Alliance here. Yeah. I do... I, once again, it's like, you guys... You've almost written an interesting character. Uh, but I, because I do love the idea about like, yeah, Vader's talking about magic mumbo jumbo. Who cares? I'm just going to go find these people and kill them. I do, it's, it's something I love. And, and you see it most in New Hope, of course, because, you know, that there is, you know, we've talked about guys like Tarkin and stuff, right? Where it's like, there are your, your strong armed, iron fisted military guys. And then there are the weird magic guys, right? And it's sort of just like, <laughs> Dude, I don't know what the guy in the weird black armor is up to, but as long as he's helping us get to, it's sort of like, I don't want to question anything, but, you know, most people in the Empire aren't, like, sycophants for the Force and stuff, and are kind of just, I think, going along with it. The just recently came out, and it's a series of books now, and I've been loving each and every one of them, and so far I've been really enjoying this one, is the From a Certain Point of View books. Oh, those are very fun, yeah. Uh, the Return of the Jedi one just came out recently. Cool. Uh, highly recommend people check it out, especially the audiobook version where each different story has a different uh, yeah. narrator to it. I've but only one of read the, the New Hope one, but it's great. The Empire one's great, the Return of the Jedi one so far is also great, but one of the first stories in the Return of the Jedi one uh begins at the beginning of that movie when Vader says to somebody, double your efforts, to the guy who's leading the Death Star 2 project, who's an engineer, and it we go into his POV, it was like, double my efforts? What does that even mean? I'm an engineer. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just do the work. I can't now work more. Like <laughs> Right. Like I only have so many resources. I can't just double no. it. <laughs> no, speed it up. Double time now. Yeah. But that's yeah. another one of those stories where it's like this weird magic man in a black coat showed up and said, double your efforts. And suddenly other people who are just like project engineers have to be like, uh, okay. The vast majority of people in Star Wars have never seen the force at work, really, you know. Yeah. So it's, they're, they're, it's, it's, it's mostly stories. Like, I mean, one thing I love the, um, was it Vader Dark Visions, that comic mm, about mm-hmm. that? You got to figure that's probably what it's like. Most of what people know about Vader is like stuff people claim to have seen. And yeah. so you would be like, well, that can't all be me. I'm sure that somebody saw something and, you know, whatever. Like, I just, I, 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 did, I think that's, that's one of my favorite things about it is there's really only like the two magic guys in the Empire and maybe a couple <laughs> here and there. But like, uh, for the most part, you would just be like, okay, sure. 
And most people don't even know that the Emperor is one of the magic guys. Right. No, it's just sort of like there's 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 Vader who's and so yeah, the idea that here's a guy going like, sure, whatever, magic. Yeah, great. Okay. I just want to stomp out the rebellion. Yeah. Um and look sick in this cape. <laughs> So, uh, meanwhile, uh, two members of AIM, I mean, Luke and Leia, are down <laughs> on the, the, the moon and of the little I prince, because that's the only way it explains how they got there so fast. <laughs> but I want to talk about, not only does Leia have boob armor here, but where that's sitting on her chest is not where human breasts would be. Look, just because hers are growing out of her clavicle doesn't mean that we should be judgmental. And somehow, moving up... Look at that! They, they, they zero they, gravity, John. It's yeah, zero, I know zero yeah. gravity. Yeah, that's right. That's how much we thought about this. Um, <laughs> God damn it! Uh, yeah. Human just, anatomy, not inventing a strong suit. Oh we Lord, this. no! We've taught you. Oh God, no! What is his strong suit? Uh, fast and on time. Yeah, I think that's exactly <laughs> what it was. Because like faces aren't a strong suit either. Uh, he's pretty limited on the monster design, as we've talked about. So. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, they're watching as uh, these TIE fighters are flying into Yavin, and they're like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, but then they talk about G.I. Joe. They witness that the Empire apparently has a weather control machine. Yeah, go, well, guess why not, man? <laughs> and they're like, well, that... <laughs> Luke, the Empire's got something in there that creates those storms. Some kind of base. And then I like Luke going... I guess a space station could exist in those gases. Sure, man. I mean, you're watching these two figures. Also, they're they're watching this from the moon. Yes, and they're seeing the intricate detail of this, not just With sort of no yeah. telescopes, no instruments. They're just straight up eyeballing it right before Leia fires up her jetpack. Oh yeah, by the way, she has a jetpack. Why not? <laughs> We're just, it's just Buck Rogers now. Sure, man. Why not? So it turns out that, yes, the Empire probably has a base inside the gas giant. Uh, spoilers for season three of Picard, but I was getting some flashbacks there. Um, definitely. Definitely. Um, but yeah, and, 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 and they have a device that controls the weather. Yeah. So with the weather dominator in hand, what is stopping the Empire from destroying the rebellion? That does seem like that's a pretty powerful <laughs> thing to have. Uh, but if it oh. only controls the weather on this gas giant, we're probably that, okay. That's where we're not seeing yet how mobile is this thing to go from place to place. Like, uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's sort of like, well, great, you can control Yavin's weather, and but it doesn't do anything on Yavin Four other than be a, a secure place from which to launch Tie Fighters. Right. Yeah. Sure. And that's you know, but they have a few of those. You know, that's not going to win them the war. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so they're like, we got to tell everybody. And so they want to get out of here to go warn everybody. Uh, and, uh, uh oh, that's going to be trouble though. So they get back to their spaceship. Uh, Leia has a brief dalliance with turning into the incredible Hulk as her eyes turn white. Um, yes, that's true. <laughs> I also want to talk about, uh, the, the arm coming off of R2 in this one panel that's longer than we've ever seen. Oh yeah. And coming out of his face. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that's, ha, huh, I didn't notice that the first time. Ooh, yeah. that's strange. It's very disturbing. <laughs> what happened to R2? <laughs> I, I don't know. He got a new 
protrusion. He is a proboscis now. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, they, so they, they get out of there. But oh no, here comes a TIE fighter patrol. Yeah, so they they got to fly back to Yavin 4 because, again, their comms don't work out here, so they can't warn right. anybody. Yeah, we need to state that again. Uh, but, uh-oh, what's this? TIE fighters patrolling. Why would they be doing that? Oh, right, because there's a base right here. <laughs> and, uh, oh, no, our characters are trapped here because they can't call anybody and there are TIE fighters abound. And, Gregonia, it looks bad because next issue promises it's a Doom mission. Is that anything like a mission on a Doom world, or is it just a, a Doom mission that could take place on any world? Man, there's more Doom in this than there is in, a, in an FF comic, man. Oh, I wish. Uh, <laughs> this could really use some Dr. Doom. Yeah. Look, w wannabe Mr. Sinister in uh, oh. Baron Tag is... I, I hope we get more of him. He has intrigued me as far as villains go. Well, there's interesting ideas. Once again, it's always the thing about this comic is whatever, they're interesting ideas. And I, as we've talked about, there is stuff that has pulled some of these ideas in, in sort of broad strokes in later right. comics and things like that because there are a couple interesting kernels. It's just they, they there's no interest in like, there's never an interest in this comic and like, ooh, that's something. Let's drill a little deeper. It's always just kind of like... Uh, Gotta keep moving. Let's scratch right. the surface and move on. Yeah. It, it, it is the the curse of this comic to forever be in limbo and be playing second fiddle to everything else in the existence right. where both its franchise and its creators are concerned. Right, exactly. And it, yeah, that's the thing is like, uh, yeah, I get that like Lucasfilm might view this as ancillary material. But yes, it feels like even the people writing the comic view it as ancillary material. Yeah, we won't. And look, over the course of this podcast, we have basically inundated ourselves with very few good comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are tons and tons of great Star Wars comics. We, we obviously, there's so many Star Wars comics we love. But yeah. I, I think the exception we've hit so far has been the... Uh, the New Hope adaptation manga, which was phenomenal, yeah. but that was mostly an art project where that's concerned. Yeah, because that was yeah, exactly. That was actually somebody like attempting to interpret something through artistic lens, right? Um, but as we get closer and closer to uh, Empire, it's definitely a goal we have going forward is to diversify a little bit and start. Yeah. You know, maybe treating ourselves to something good every once. Yeah, in we're, a while. we're you know, and then just keeps the show interesting, keeps us yeah. sane. Um, but yeah. Uh, but for now, we are headed towards a doom mission because doom mission, uh, man. we're in the middle of the siege of the say the sig of uh, Yavin. Sig of Yavin. <laughs> uh, I hate it. I hate a sig, man. They're ne they yeah, never, it never end well. Yeah. But <laughs> our heroes have lost an engine. How will yeah. they get out of this one? Uh, is the yeah, Millennium oh, Falcon going to swoop in at the last minute and save them? Are oh, they going to just be saved by a bunch of X-Wings? Who's to say? Who knows? Both of those things are highly likely to happen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> why not? Uh, but uh, yeah. Uh, so, of course, if you want uh, more uh, content from this show, uh, you can uh, go over to our patron page, which is on Podbean, which is patron.podbean.com slash punchup. There you get cool exclusive bonus content from all the shows here on the Punch-Up Entertainment Network, including Material Components and the action shelf and Campbell and Jones meet the monsters, all of which are also available here on YouTube. If that's where you're watching us, then make sure you like comment and subscribe below. Please join us on YouTube. If you aren't already, especially for this show, I think it is one of the 
optimal ways of consuming this show because you get to read along with us as we're going yep. and see all the wacky 70s art that we're talking about along the way. Uh, if you think that a siege is more difficult than a sage, let yeah. us know in the comments below. I would be curious right. to see what people's opinions are on that. The eternal debate between sieges and sages. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, that's going to wrap things up this week. Absolutely it will. So, for us here at May the Panel Be With You, I've been Mike Argoni. I'm John Campbell. And as always, may the panel be with you. Oh.